Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforyoumc.org. Phones to silent, doors to cross-check, hold on to your hats. This is Five Yard Rush, your fantasy football podcast, with your hosts, Stocks, Sparky, Murph and Nick. Yo, Rush Nation, we're back, fourth day in a row as part of the Super Bowl bonanza that here at Five Yard Rush we've put together for you. Hope you've enjoyed it so far. I know Murph and I have had quite possibly the best week of our podcast lives. Murph, do you agree? We have, although I'm starting to get a little tired now. So <laughs> no, mate, one more, one more day. It's all there is. Yeah, no, it's been brilliant. I've really enjoyed just getting into things, and uh, you know, we're we're always going to push the boundaries here at Five Yard Rush and uh, do things creative. And this is the time of the year that most people are engaged, so um, we feel it's a really good time to sort of finish off the 2018 season, so we can nearly put it in a box. We'll do a couple of things on divisional reviews and teams and situs going into 2019 and sort of tie it into a look forward for the draft but have to look back a little bit but other than that this will be the last bit we talk about fantasy 2018 boo yeah sad times anyway come at us on twitter it's at five yard rush as always we're on pretty much every piece of podcast hardware in the world we talked about soundcloud i didn't click on the link murph if i'm brutally honest that's all right we've had lots of other things on so it's something we'll get to and we can put past episodes on for people to go back and review yeah i did mention sparky about coming on and he asked when and then didn't reply so standard standard sparky procedure might as well Well, so let's let's have an open just because it's super bowl why not let's just make it a bit fun what happens first lev bell gets signed to a new team in free agency or sparky does consecutive podcasts oh lev bell all day 
<laughs> I'm, I'm putting my truck pink slip, my mortgage, my son's soul. I'm putting it all on that. <laughs> Sparky, you've been put out there. I just, I just have only invited him once. That was. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, yeah. Uh. Whew, four days in. Hi, I'm tired. So today. We're going to do fantasy year in review. It's taken us five weeks now, something like that. It has been. It's been on the podcast schedule since the beginning of January, and with all the news and reviews and just the way we talk, drag stuff out. So, yeah, we're going to run through your standard and PPR finishing for top ten of each position. Matt. Top ten each position. A few, uh, you know, it's streets territory. So there's some really cool. Uh, stats in here that we've sort of mined and found out and some trends which I think when we look at 2019 this will be good stuff to sort of uh, tie in and think about when we're looking at who we want to draft positional position like positional where to take them in the draft uh, how deep each position is so um, I think these are key yeah so to make things easier for us us here in the studio I'm going to take the standard Murph's going to take the PPR and then we will discuss yeah I think that I think that works well Um, and we've basically done it on a a number of topics that we're going to cover off. We probably won't do too much on tight ends, uh, sorry, on uh, DSTs and kickers. Um, not because they don't matter to the scoring, but they do fluctuate um, quite radically. So rather than sort of do really in-depth rankings, um, I think we'll just talk about some trends and maybe where we think about drafting them and, and some players that stood out and, and those that really flopped. Yeah, man. So you might as well start with the position that's top of your fantasy team. Most important position in sports overall, and that's your quarterbacks. Now, quarterbacks went off this year, but the thing is, if you drafted your quarterbacks late, you probably did better. Well, not probably. You definitely did better than if you took them early. Yeah, so there's a couple of things that really drive this. So, um, first of all, eight of the top 16 fantasy quarterbacks this season were drafted in rounds 11 or later. So, on that list is Mahomes, Ryan, Roethlisberger, Goff, Prescott, Rivers, Trubisky, and Baker Mayfield. And... As a collective, the quarterback position scored 8,805 fantasy points this season in standard scoring, which is the most in a single season since at least the year 2000, which is as far back as we can get any form of data. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about it with Marcus Grant, weren't we, how this is probably one of the start of the new quarterbacks scoring highly in fantasy, and NFL as well, and how scoring needs to be adjusted possibly, and we're going to look into that into the off-season, but for the first time since 2000, that's an outlier, but it could well now be the standard benchmark as well, we don't know yet, obviously. Yeah, well what we're saying since 2000, that's as, as far back we've checked the data, so this is the highest scoring um, season ever, obviously there's been some rules that have favoured the um, position to get more time on the ball and to make bigger plays. Um, It'd be interesting to see if the stat holds up next year. Um, it's worth noting as well that it's, this was the season with the most touchdowns, offensive touchdowns in a single season. There was 1,286 touchdowns, um, which is the you know single season high in NFL history. And it beat the mark by just under 60, 57, which um, That's quite was a set lot in more. 2016. So it's not like <coughs> it's just trickled over. It's absolutely decimated it. So there's two schools of thought. Is one, this is going to be the trend and that's the way to stay. The second is, this is an outlier. We need next year's data to see if this trend graph continues in that direction. So I would, I always err on the side of cautions when I see something really off the charts like this position. I still think it's massively important. But I think when you look at the points that we're going to go into, whilst it's important to get a quarterback, you'll realise that actually after a certain point, it's not that important. There's so much depth there yeah. that actually... 
you can really wait on this position very, very late. Well, as we sort of heard this year, with eight of the top 16 being drafted in rounds 11 or later. Yeah, you can wait till the last round. It, well, most probably. So it's it's interesting that we're talking about this being record year for quarterbacks and, and it being absolutely outstanding. But at, at the same point, we're also saying that there's so many people that contribute to this that it's almost like a position that you can sit on. It's 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 mad when you think of it like that. Yeah, you'd need one of the top-scoring quarterbacks like running backs, but then the amount of top-scoring quarterbacks is a lot higher than the top-scoring running backs. So like Matt said, you can sit on it. When actually, when you think, oh, I need one of the top scorers, I've got to take him early, you don't have to. Yeah, uh, that's exactly it. I mean, we'll go into the um, the rankings now, and uh, I mean, it'll be very clear to see from sort of the top, the gap between first and second is is higher than the gap between second and ninth. Yeah. Well, Mahomes had a runaway year, didn't he? That's just... Yeah. Just out of interest, because I'm doing score standard scoring, you're doing PPR. Is there any difference in standards PPR and quarterbacks, or is it all just four to six point touchdown? It's it's interesting because the the points gap in PPR is significantly less. Now it must be, it's obviously depending on the the, the rules that you have in the league. So I think in the PPR league that I've got these stats from, there must be some significant scoring adjustments from standard right because there's about a 60 point difference in Mahomes' score did you get these from our sleeper yeah league or the epson one yeah okay no i didn't know if maybe there's a different bonus per yardage maybe the yardage is i don't think it's bonuses per yardage i think it's more i think we reduced it down to i think it's four point per touchdown whereas i think in standard it's six it's six so that would explain the difference yeah i like the six point touchdown thing i think and then if you impede interceptions as well, it, it makes the good quarterbacks better and the worst ones worse. Well, that's what I think we need to, to look at is come up with some um, custom scoring to, to influence that because especially in PPR, there's a significant gap between Mahomes and, and Ryan. But then actually as you start to go down, the gap between second and tenth is not that much. Well, it was 60 points, isn't it? 60 to three point. In PPR, it dropped from... Uh, Matt Ryan on 352 in second to Phil Rivers in 10th on 295. So I guess on this, let's, let's read out where, where they ranked from. Interesting. So from it, your perspective in standard. And yeah, it, well, in standard, the, the better quarterbacks scored more than the PPR ones did at the end of the list. So you just said Rivers scored 295, whereas in standard, at te- he's a 10th, by the way. He only scored 329. So that's only 25 more points. Yeah. 35 more points. And then... At the other end of the spectrum, Mahomes, when standard, scored 488, and then in PPR he scored... 420.1. 60, yeah. Interesting, that. But, yeah, the gap, so. but the gap holds. So the science behind it is Mahomes' numbers. I mean, the gap is, what, 60 points in, in standard scoring? More than that. 70, 73. Okay, so in it's 60, 68 in PPR. Right. So it, it, it's held up. The, the, the fact is that Mahomes was the runaway leader here. In, in either format. Yeah. And I imagine it's exactly the same in four or six-point TDs. It doesn't really matter. Well, I think he was 11 clear of Andrew Luck in touchdowns in second place overall. Yeah. So, so a huge amount of difference. So, But what, what we've seen here in the playoffs is that actually um, he didn't have as many passing touchdowns as we would have expected. Uh, he, he threw none against the Colts. Um, everything was a rushing. He got a rushing touchdown, but he threw none against the Colts. Whereas um, against the Patriots, which we'll, you know we talked about last week, uh, he chipped in with two. So 
it's it's fascinating that I think people are starting now to realise how they can not necessarily get him at home. So I'm not trying to put down his abilities. He's a wonderful quarterback, and by far he was the league to lead. But I think, do I see him getting 50 touchdowns as easily next year as as this year? I don't know. I don't think so. I just think he was such he was such a disparity in the first half of the season. I think once people had played him once. He was still out throwing people, and again, this is not a d- diminishing ability on his talent, but they weren't scoring as many points yeah, no, that's as they were earlier in the season. I so, just Nobody expected him to come out and do what he did, did they? And, absolutely not. And there um, wasn't the tape on him to look at, so when he came out and he said, I'm going to tear you up, that's what he did until coaches and everybody had the tape. It, it, exactly that, and I think I think the, the caution I would have on, on taking Mahomes super early, and I, I, I can see people drafting him in the third and fourth round. Oh, for sure. Like Rodgers. Exactly, and I, just, I, I would wear caution on that because I just don't see him putting I mean if he does phenomenal and again I love Patrick Mahomes I think he is a a elite quarterback I just don't know if he puts 50 touchdowns up next year I expect him to get in the 40s high 40s maybe I don't think he quite gets 50 but we don't know what's going to happen with the improvements with the squads so it's it's difficult to make like a set prediction now but if I'm looking at it now I'd say to replicate what he's done, 5,097 yards with 50, uh, 50 passing touchdowns and two rushing touchdowns. You know, he threw the ball 580 times this year. That's a lot. Yeah. <clears throat> I, do I see that holding up? I don't know. Uh, the one number I do expect to go up from Mahomes is 272 rushing yards. So I do think he'll get more than that next year. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine he'll push 300, I, I would say. Just because of... Well, it'll be interesting to see what his rushing numbers were when Kareem Hunt was on the field and wasn't. Just because Kareem Hunt is talented, he might be an absolute moron, but he is talented. Yeah, absolutely. So, so let's let's go through him then. So who who are your who are your ten? So I'll give top five. Just otherwise, I'll be talking for ten, and people will forget the top. Yeah. So Mahomes was first with four eighty eight. Then Ryan was second with four oh five. Big Ben was third at three ninety two. Andrew Luck came fourth with three eighty, and then Deshaun Watson was fifth with three sixty seven. Okay, so it's interesting that the PPR numbers still hold the same. So those five are in the same order. Right. Mahomes, Ryan, Roethlisberger, Luck, Watson. The the thing that's interesting is the gap massively shrinks after Ryan. So Mahomes is 420.1, Matt Ryan 352, Ben Roethlisberger 350.9, Andrew Luck 336.9, Watson 331.7. So we're really talking about the spread of uh, second to fifth was, was 20 points. There's 33 in mine. So, so it's not a huge gap when you when you think about point points per game. You're looking at in that instance two points a game mm. is is the difference. So or one big game. I mean, there was one game where Breeze went for like three fantasy points or something, and then there would have been other. I don't know how many big games he had, but Breeze has the ability and the playmakers to go and score you thirty five points in a week. Yeah. So there's nothing to say that Breeze one week. Obviously, he's not a good example. We haven't talked about him yet. But if he then did put up thirty five points, that thirty five points is huge when the gap between second and ninth is so small. I think the thing that interests me more out of those top five is Andrew Luck at four and Deshaun Watson at five because both those guys were coming off heavy injuries. Both weren't fit at the start of the season. They played, but you can tell they weren't really on form. It yeah. took them, you can see with the starts, the Texans were in three, the, the Colts were one and five. Luck finishes with the second most amount of um, passing touchdowns with 39, as we've mentioned. Deshaun Watson you know, has 551 rushing yards on the, on the season and over 4,000 passing yards. So that's impressive in its own right. I think that's fascinating to see that how well they've responded. So when they're fully fit, those numbers could potentially go up. The other outlier here was Ben Roethlisberger threw the ball 675 times last year. Crikey. 
So significantly more than anybody else. And with potentially no AB there next year, does he throw the ball 675 times next year? Mm. That's the that's going to be interesting to see because significantly more passing attempts than than anybody else. I mean, ridiculously more. Yeah, yeah for sure. So yeah, so let's go six to ten then. Right, old. So at six, I've got Goff with 360, Breeze at seven with 348. Point four of a point behind him was Rogers at 348.5. Wilson was at 9 with 335, and then Rivers rounds out the top 10 at 329. So there's a slight disparity here between... It's the same personnel, um, but Rogers is ahead of Breeze in the PPR numbers. 308.6 to 305. So again, very, very close. I reckon what swung it might have been a slightly higher um, interception. Because although Breeze didn't turn the ball over that many times, Rogers, I think, turned it over like twice all season. Yeah, twice. Breeze so, did it five times. Right, so that's probably what it is, because there's a three-point disparity between the two. So that could be very, very much it. It's interesting that actually Rogers, you know, everyone's saying how bad a season is and, and Breeze was the MVP. The difference in yards was 450 yards in passing in Rogers' favour. Uh, and rushing yards. Drew Breeze only rushed for 22 yards. Yeah. Which, I laugh, I've just seen Philip, you know, <laughs> Philip Rivers' rushing yards for the season. How many did he had? I'll give you a clue, it was less than 22. <coughs> I've just seen, so it would be... Seven. seven. He had seven rushing yards on the season. <laughs> Off of 18 attempts as well. <laughs> I could fall forward in three attempts and get more yards than that. I just, that, is, that is sensational. So interesting to, to see those numbers. So I didn't realise Russell Wilson passed for 35. And also he had no rushing touchdowns from Russell Wilson. That is incredible. Yeah, but that's because they just bludgeoned everybody with yeah, Chris Carson. Still, that's, that's crazy. Yeah, so that that's the quarterback position, and and again, you you think of the names we've not got on there that we've talked about: Goff, oh Goff's on there. Sorry, Baker, um, Cam, Cam. I know he's not a great quarterback, um, but fantasy wise, I mean, he had four hundred and eighty-eight yards. So, and, and the one outlier here is is you've got combined. If you combined Winston's and Fitzmagic's numbers, they would have ranked third on this list. Yeah, but that doesn't help anyone in fantasy when you have to choose between the two. Well, no, but you, it's already come out and stated that. Winston is going to be the quarterback next year. Yes, sir. So, again, he might not appear on the list, and it might mean he might slide quite a bit. So that's a real advantage. I'd be looking at taking him over people like Rivers. Cousins. Um, yeah, definitely Kirk Cousins. Brady. You know, I think for me, Winston goes up this board significantly. And some of these players might even shift down, depending on what happens in the off season. Yeah, for sure. It's interesting. I don't know if you've got these numbers in front of you. You probably have. But do you know who threw the most interceptions on the season? I don't actually. Have a guess. I'm guessing it. I'm guessing it's it's got to be. So I tell you the number. It was 16. And there was two, one, two. I know Winston and Winston and Fitzmagic. I reckon were second and third on this list. No. Oh really? What combined? I, no. No, no, they weren't. Winston would have been high on the list. I reckon then it would have been... Yeah, no, he's third. <laughs> yeah, I thought he would have been high on there. I think he threw like 11 or 12. 14. Um, Sam Darnold? Correct. There's yeah. three players. So Sam Darnold, Winston... Well, actually, no. There's three players on 15. Winston okay. threw 14. Okay. Darnold threw 15. Andrew Luck threw 15. Case Keenum threw 15. Yeah, I thought Keenum might be up there. And that's so it. About that at the and of the, season. the number one for interceptions was Big Ben with sixteen. Really? Yeah. I would never got that. Actually, that, that is that's incredible. Yeah, he threw for five less touchdowns and then one less. But does that include playoff numbers? Oh, did he make the playoffs? 
Mm. So well, if it does, then Andrew Luck is even worse than Big Ben because he came <laughs> on the scoring I'm looking at now, oh, which is yeah, our, our OG league. Uh, yeah, he threw. He had 40 more attempts, threw for 600 yards more. That's where he made his hay. But he had five less touchdowns and one more interception, and a lot less rushing yards. <laughs> That's nuts. I've got two last things I wanted to talk about, and we move on from from quarterback. So, um, based on NFL.com's uh, ADP average draft position. Uh, Patrick Mahomes was one of the best values in fantasy football history. He was drafted in the 14th round on average, but he went on to score um, more fantasy points than any quarterback ever. It's also the second most fantasy points scored by any player in a single season behind only the Damien Tomlinson in 2006. Didn't he go like butt wild in that as well that season? Yeah, he was unbelievable that season. And the other thing is Matt Ryan, I love this stat, Matt Ryan has 353.96 fantasy points uh, among NFL scoring, which ranked second among quarterbacks behind Mahomes. He put up more numbers this year in their 6 and... What they finished? 6 and 10, I think? He put up more numbers this year in their 6 and 10 season than he did in his 2016 MVP season. <laughs> Something's not quite right in Atlanta, I would suggest. <laughs> I think that's incredible. Well, I think they just they didn't have much of a running game at times, so it was all on Ryan and... Julio Jones, who also had a massive year. Um, Calvin Ridley caught 10 touchdowns. You've, got, you've <laughs> stepped up a position, Murph. You just mentioned a poor running game, so let's talk about running backs. Okay. So in standard, Todd Gurley was number one. No shock there with 313. Yeah. Barkley was second with 294. CMC was third with 279. Kamara was just behind in fourth with 273. And then Zeke came fifth with 252. Now, this clearly points out that if you don't have an elite running back, winning a league title is really difficult to do. I can contest to this. Oh, yeah. 100%. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. So, it's interesting that Todd Gurley led all running backs, as we talked about, with that number, 313.10. He becomes the first runner with the most points in the position back-to-back since LaDamon Thompson. We talked about 2006-2007. <laughs> However, he doesn't have much chance to finish, uh, based on history, to finish three in a row. No runner has done that since Marshall Falk did it, when they eventually went to like they won the Super Bowl and then they went back to the Super Bowl, 1990-2001. He was an unbelievable player, Marshall Falk. And I can see him doing it. I just think he's so good. Although, if the Giants... I don't know if you've got these numbers in front of you. If the Giants somehow manage to get a quarterback who can throw the ball and not worry, have to load Saquon up. Saquon Barkley had 10 more rushing attempts this season, had 100 more yards than Todd Gurley. He also had 40 more receptions, no, 32 more receptions and 200 more yards. Yeah. So if you give him more goal line opportunity, he's going to be an absolute monster. I mean, he, he had, he's the first NFL rookie to finish the season with 100 targets and 200 carries. He had 121 targets and 261 carries, which is a ridiculous amount. Yeah, that's mad. So he could do. I think it's interesting. I, I, the things with Gurley now is, does is CJ Anderson really a thing? Can't be. I saw him in orange. He's not built for a season. I know he'll split the workload with Gurley, but if you've got Gurley and you've paid Gurley money, we've talked about how running backs are young in lifespan and you can't really afford to pay them massive money. Same with quarterbacks, but we'll get into that later on at some point in the off-season. Gurley's now massively paid. He's not going to want to split the workload. It's like Lev Bell. He's not going to want to either. Uh, I get that. I just think it's a case of you're going to go... I think think he's done enough to earn a contract. And what this proves to you is a guy off the street 
with absolutely no time with the team. He had three days. So he had one, maybe two practices, if we're being generous. Let's give him the second practice. And then he comes in and rushes for 100 yards. If you ever needed proof that the running game is more about the offensive line than the talent behind the ball, CJ Anderson is literally proving that theory right every single week. And listen, he might not be great for 16 games. But his greatness is dependent on him being fit, him getting up to top speed, which he clearly can do while getting off the street. So that's quite impressive. And how good that O-line is. If they continue to reinvest in the O-line and, and, and continue to build a, 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 a league, I wouldn't even say a league-leading top 10 offensive line in the league, they can always play CJ Anderson, John Kelly. And, you know, as, as we've seen with Gurley, you know, he got an injury from over-usage. And I think as he continues to age, they'll reduce his carry load. It, I'm just putting a, a, a position out there that it's every chance Gurley could be the guy next year. But I'm saying there's also every chance he could not. Yeah, no, for sure. So... Um, I tell you who I who I really back to get to lead the running backs next year. My my tip now is Ezekiel Elliott. That's because he's the best running back in the league. Well, it's that, and it's also that he was the only back with three hundred carries this season. It's a it's, couple hundred, <laughs> and also at three hundred and four, it was the lowest, or tied for the lowest in terms of number of uh, rushes to reach the league leading mark. And in terms of, there's only been one running back with 300 plus rushing attempts in 2017 and 2016. 2017 was Lev Bell, 2016 was Zeke again this rookie year. So he's going to get the workload and they've changed the offensive coordinator. So I think they will continue to run that ball. I think that is the DNA of Dallas, but I think they'll continue to. And they had a lot of injuries on that O-line. I think it improved. So I just think with some scheming, maybe with some play action in there, um, it becomes less obvious that Zeke's going to necessarily run every down. I think that's going to really open up the opportunities for him to continue to increase on those numbers. And I expect that number, that carry number, to go up next year. Yeah. And especially now, Amari Cooper's going to have a whole off-season to fully integrate into the team. It's, he's definitely the alpha dog there. And That's what I mean. So I, I like Zeke's position over Gurley's right now. Yeah, no, for sure. But again... We haven't even got into a free agency. We haven't got into a draft. We don't know what these teams look like, so it's impossible. But I'm, if I'm taking a, a punt, that that's kind of what I'm um, going for. I'm going for. Have you mentioned your top five? I have not mentioned my top five right, yet. Right, Murph. You so, mentioned your top five. So PPR running backs, and that this is really important. So number one was Saquon Barkley uh, with three hundred. It's in full PPR with three hundred and eighty-five point eight points. Closely behind was Christian McCaffrey, 381.5. Then it was Gurley in third with uh, 371.5. Alvin Kamara was fourth, 353.2. And Zeke Elliott was uh, fifth, 323. So quite a jump. It's interesting that the the stats there. The one thing that really grabbed me when we talked about the sort of the top five I just listed uh, just now with the running backs is sort of snap counts. So most running backs will tend to be between sort of low 70s to mid 80s snap count Christian McCaffrey's snap count was 91% last season he's not even big as in as a blocker <laughs> so no that is a massively high count for it's somebody just, it's just absolutely huge in terms of what what he does and you know what what's really key here is Alvin Kamara didn't even have a thousand rushing yards and yet he's finished number four in PPR what does it look like from uh, a standard scoring perspective yeah we mentioned the top five uh, McCaffrey is 14 points behind Barkley in third, and then Kamara's six points behind McCaffrey. 
it's not so much of a drop off between third and fifth, really. There's only twenty two points. Yeah, but you got Gurley as as one, whereas I got Gurley at three in PPR. Yeah, so mine's Gurley, Barkley, CMC, Kamara, Elliott. And then might as well do six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I've got Gordon at six with two two five in a complete point five, I should say, and then Connor at seven at two two five point zero, so half a point in standard. So what's that, five yards, something like that? Yeah. And then Kareem Hunt finished eighth in standard and obviously didn't play the majority well not the majority, but a few weeks certainly. Then Mixon was ninth. Duke Johnson was ten at one nine six. Duke Johnson or David Johnson? Uh, probably David. It just says Johnson here, so I. That's nuts. David Sorry, Johnson yeah, was so been. irrelevant this season. I thought that Johnson was Duke Johnson. That's no, how badly be. David Johnson did. See, this is mad. Do you want to know who was number six in PPR? David Johnson. No, he oh. was ninth. Duke Johnson. It's not on your list. Huh. James White. Yeah, but that's because he's reception monster. So he was only involved in 54% of snaps. Uh, 12 touchdowns James White had this year, 751 receiving yards, 425 rushing yards. So he's a real sort of cheat code for running backs uh, in PPR because in a regular format, he's not going to do much. But in a, Do you know how many targets he had? No. <laughs> he was only one behind McCaffrey. <laughs> he had 123 <laughs> targets. That's mental. So James White was just ahead of James Conner by 0.6. Uh, of a point and then Melvin Gordon was eighth and he's only a point and a half behind James Connor and then there's a long way gap back to David Johnson 243.6 Joe Mixon was 10th for 243.4 so Cream Hunt was 11th on this list so yeah. uh, really yeah. really close down down the bottom there but what what interests me is it's over a 100 point gap between first and 10th so again if you're not getting that elite running back <coughs> it's just so much um so much of a climb to try and get back into it. Uh, a couple more things to share is one person that wasn't on that list but had an absolute elite playoff was Derek Henry. So yep. he led the NFL with a combined 94.24 uh, PPR fantasy points in weeks 14 to 16, <laughs> um, which is the traditional fantasy playoffs. So this was the, th- you know, the, it's just a huge um, scoring and, and actually, in the playoffs, it's really relevant because it's the third season in a row where the leading scorer in the lo- the last three weeks, weeks 14 to 16, was a running back. So in 2016, it was Bell. In 2017, it was Gurley. So it's huge when you look at that from, from that perspective that you've got to have a running back. And even if it's, you know, you've got to see the running back as potential form. All right, Derek Henry kind of came out of nowhere in week 14, but you had to be playing in week 15, week 16. And if you weren't, then you know you deserve to, to have not won your league. Uh, the other one, which is interesting, and again, a lot of these stats come from, from NFL.com. Uh, Sean McCoy was the 11th uh, running back picked off the board in fantasy drafts based on NFL.com ADP data. He was unable to finish a single week as a top 12 PPR running back, and he rushed for fewer yards than his quarterback, Josh Allen. <laughs> Over the season? Over the season. He had less rushing yards than Josh Allen. Oh, shady. So it's a sign that when we gave Shady R, uh, it's not it's not me, it's you, Rushy. Then you can see why we've given it to him. He is an absolute no go in twenty nineteen. Anywhere he should not go drafted. Uh, well, someone will draft him because of name value, but pity the fool. Yeah, absolutely. So let's move on to the wideouts, Murph. This year proves that wideouts, the gap between one and ten, was the smallest it's ever been. It's a stupid amount. Whereas running back is over a hundred points, this is 
60, 61, something like that in standard. I don't know what it is in, in PPL. Uh, that number extends uh, slightly <coughs> um, to 70. That's oh, so not a lot then. But yeah, but it does extend a bit. So And some of these names would have been taken late second, early third, as opposed to the running backs. If you didn't take a stud, then you were in trouble. Like Tyreek Hill wasn't a first-round talent. Evans wasn't a first-round talent. Adam Thielen wasn't a second-round. Smith-Schuster, second, third. Robert Woods, he comes in at 10 at standard. He wasn't third. You could have got him at fourth, fifth. So wide receiver is a bit more fluctuating. Shinnable, that's not a word. I just made that up. <laughs> so, yeah, top five at standard. They are Hill at one with 241. Considerable, well, a wide receiver, this is a considerable gap. And then Antonio Brown is two with 219. Devontae Adams was a close third with 218. And then an even closer fourth was Hopkins at 218.5. Adams was 218.6. Julio Jones was 212.9. Mike Evans, fire those cannons. Murph, your boy, had 204.4 at 6. I'm going to go all the way now. (laughs) Adam Thielen was 7 with 194 after his magnificent start to the season. Mickey Thomas was 190.5. Juju was Ninth with 185.9, and then Robert Woods ta- tops off the top 10 with a 179.6. Okay, so nine of the 10 are the same in PPR. The points difference is uh, obviously different because of the uh, one point for reception. Um, but Robert Woods actually missed out on the top 10, he was 11th. Did he? So sneaking in at 10 was uh, Stefan Dix. Interesting. With 102 receptions he had this year. Yeah. So that would have been the difference. Um, so the number one is the same. It's Tyreek Hill, who actually only had 87 receptions, but he still re- he received for 1,479 yards and had 12 uh, touchdowns. And he had 137 targets. So that's quite extraordinary. That's a huge gap considering the number of receptions. You're talking about 60, 60 targets didn't reach him. I think that's quite high. Um, I wonder if quite a lot of those are targets that he wouldn't have ever got. Yeah, I, I think that's probably going to be the case. It's just it's just interesting to see that number. Hopkins was second, so it's quite a close gap. It was three thirty four uh, for Hill, and to Hopkins it was three thirty one point five. Wow. So it was only two and a half points. And then it's a very similar gap to Devontae Adams. It's less than that. It's one point nine points. Adams was third on three twenty nine point six. Then there's a few <coughs> points to Julio Jones who was on 323.9. Antonio Brown was actually fifth on this list with 323.7. So he was 0.2 points behind Julio Jones, which is nuts. Mm. Uh, Michael Thomas finished sixth. Uh, He had 125 receptions. So he had more than anybody in the top 10, and therefore I think he had more than anybody in the season. So he had 125 receptions for 1,400 yards. And I think that was... Do you know what's incredible? He only had 147 targets. Yeah, he caught some eighty odd percent of his targets. Yeah, so he's only missed eighteen. He's only missed eighteen targets in the year. Yeah, and he had. I think he had three or four games that were a bust, like less than five points as yeah. well. So, so it's it's mad. So he was three hundred thirty point five, and it starts to thin out a little bit here. And Thielen was seventh, three hundred six point three. Then Juju two nine five point nine. Mike Evans two eighty eight point four in ninth, and then it was Diggs, who is well off the. Well, I'd say well off the pace. Twenty two points behind. Evans. So the top nine are pretty close. It's only the tenth position that sort of drops that position by twenty points. So it's actually only um, 
it's less than 50 points between 1st and ninth. Interestingly, the bottom 5, so 5 to 10, are almost exactly 100 points difference per player. So my 5th player has 212.9 and yours has... 313.5. Yeah, so it's almost 100 points per standard PPR. I mean, it's a completely different game when, when, you, when you're thinking about it. Um, it's the better game. Yeah, so there's, there's a few things to, to note here. So an NFL record for m- most receivers... With 110 plus catches, there were six this season, which was Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Adam Thielen, Julio Jones, uh, Devontae Adams, and Juju Smith-Schuster. Seven wide receivers had 10 plus receiving touchdowns this season. That's the most since 2015. Uh, I'll give you a point if you can name all of these. One point. Oh, you can have seven points. You have a point for each one you get. Can I have the question again, please? Name the seven wide receivers with 10 plus receiving touchdowns this season. Um, <laughs> Devontae Adams Yep, he was second with 13 Hopkins was number one Nope, he was fourth with 11 So he had over 10, okay, that covers me uh, Tyreek Hill He was third with 12 Adam Thielen He's not on the list Damn it You're missing number one And then a three-way uh, tie Antonio Brown So he was number one with 15 So now you're missing five five to seven They all had 10 uh, touchdowns apiece mm. One I've mentioned on this pod already the other two are... They're also, not even wide receiver ones. What? In fact, none of these three are wide receiver ones. Mike Evans? No. Oh, Adam Humphreys? Nope. Oh. So, I'll give you a clue. One, one plays in that division, but not for the Bucks. He's a rookie. Calvin Ridley? Calvin Ridley, a 10. Is that the same division? Yeah. Okay, good. So, um, the next one is another NFC... North team who had a very 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 good year when their wide receiver one was clearly unfit made the playoffs do I own that wide receiver who's unfit I don't know you're playing 27 leagues so yeah I'm talking about one we're in together I'm not going (laughs) to ask you to predict my random ESPN Thursday night drunken draft that would be unfair named after a type of cough suite (laughs) Tyler Lockett (laughs) (laughs) Tyler Lockett and the other one I wouldn't expect you to get this an AFC team that went to the playoffs Keenan Allen. So no, it's not, not Keenan Allen. It's the right team, but it's the wrong player. Oh, Mike Williams then. Yeah, so Mike Williams had uh, had <coughs> 10 as well. Um, quite quite impressive, really, uh, in terms of those numbers. Uh, just a few other little facts here, which are quite good. So Antonio Brown has scored 200-plus standard fantasy points in six straight NFL seasons. It's the longest streak by a wide receiver ever. He also has produced 300 PPR points in those six seasons. No other receiver has such uh, has an active such streak of more than two seasons, and that's DeAndre Hopkins. Um, Julio Jones led the NFL wide receivers of 170 targets this season. It's the fewest by a league leader since 2007, when Brandon Marshall had 170 targets for your Broncos. Here is a this is probably one of my favorite stats of all time. Wow! Oh, come, this has got to be good, man. Russell Wilson had a perfect 158.3 passer rating when targeting Tyler Lockett this season. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, we're not talking about this has gone five or ten targets and receptions. You're talking about Tyler Lockett had over 50 receptions this year. So every time Russell Wilson threw to Tyler Lockett, it was complete. Um, complete. What makes a what makes a complete passer? It, it's a combination between yardage, uh, positive plays. Right. Um, so you, you know he didn't catch every ball, but in terms of the yardage, because you don't have to have a perfect completion rate to have a perfect quarterback reception. But basically, there was when when he was targeting him, there was no interceptions. There was no real negative. The most negative thing that happened was an incomplete pass. Right. Okay. So, but every time Lockett got the ball, he turned out a huge amount of yards. Um, 
10 touchdowns that we've talked about. So they really factor in to, to weigh out the, the quarterback rating, which is it's just impressive. Like That's an incredible statistic. It's a huge outlier that you'll, you'll never see again. Definitely not. No. So <laughs> Cough sweet or no cough sweet. <laughs> right, Murph, I'm going to need you to make me a promise here. What's that? We're moving on to a position that we've talked about extensively. And I'm going to need you to keep the next section down to at least 19 minutes. No, oh, we won't get that far. No, I know, but we're just about to talk about tight ends, Rush Nation. Everybody knows once Murph and I get started about the tight ends, it doesn't end. So with that being said, let's move on to the top 10 at tight end. So do PPR first, because there's some huge, huge gaps. So the gap between 1st and 10th, this is ridiculous. It's 161 Point six points between first and tenth, which it adds up to a lot of what we said with the tight end debate, and um, uh, uh, this year is particularly bad with with injuries. Now the difference between the top three isn't too big; it's about uh, thirty thirty four points, so it's not huge between first and third. Um, but then it really starts to really drop. Yeah. So. Kelsey was first on this list, uh, 292.6. He had 103 receptions, 10 touchdowns. He was targeted 150 times. He was he was on for 95% of the snaps, which is huge. Ertz was second, 279.3. 116 receptions to lead all tight ends, uh, 1,163 yards, 8 touchdowns. George Kittle was third, 258.7. 88 receptions. Uh, five TDs, uh, 1,377 yards, which is the all-time NFL record. Uh, all these three were targeted. So the top two were targeted 156, 150 times. Kittle, 136. Now you'll start to see these snap counts drop. Fourth was Eric Ebron. So Eric Ebron uh, was 221.2 points. He was 37.5 points behind George Kittle. He had only 66 receptions of 110 targets, but he did get the tight end leading 13 touchdowns, which is huge. But only 750 yards. Jared Cook, uh, 193.6. So again, you're already dropping another uh, 28 points there. Uh, he had 68 receptions off 101 targets. Then I might as well finish the list. Yeah, yeah. Austin Hooper was sixth, which is just crazy. So he had 163 points. So that's another 30 points. So literally every time now, in those three, we've dropped 90 points. 30 points a time almost. Uh, he had 71 receptions, 88 targets. And this is where the targets will stick around that at sort of 80 to uh, mid-70s range. Carl Rudolph was seventh, <coughs> helped massively with that last week. Oh, Carl Rudolph's week 16 can go and do 17, one. 17, was it? No, 16. Oh. It was 16. It done yeah. me in the final. So, we, yeah, Carl Rudolph's, uh, you know, how one many, week has elevated him up. How many points did Carl Rudolph finish with? It was like 30-odd that week. No, um, I mean in... Ten, in in general, overall, 151.4. So he would have been like 125 had he have not gone off that week. Yeah, he would have not finished in the top three. He basically, he he got like 20% of his points in that final week of the season. Uh, only 634 yards, only four touchdowns. He had two in that game. Cool. Trey Burton was eighth, 146.1, 54 receptions off 77 targets, six <coughs> touchdowns. David Njuku was ninth, 143.9. So not a big drop to him. Uh, 56 receptions off 89 targets. Then Vance McDonald. In what world is Vance McDonald the 10th highest tight end? He's Especially not. when there's two tight ends there. 131 points, 50 receptions off 73 targets, four touchdowns, 610 yards. And he was only on the field for 55% of snaps. 
that tells you how bad the position is when a, a tight end who is on the field for basically half the plays is a top 10 tight end. And that won't happen again. So one thing I've noticed here that before I get into my list is that the 100 point difference between standard and PPR almost rings true at tight end as well. Crazy. So my boy Travis Kelsey's top with 191. Then you've got George Kittle with 170. So there's a 21 point gap just between first and second. Ertz is third with 164, and Eric Ebron is fourth with 156. Then you get another 30-point drop to Jared Cook at 125. Then another 30-point drop to Trey Burton at 93. Austin Hooper at seven was one point behind Trey Burton at 92. David Njuku was eighth with 87. Then Kyle Rudolph is a bit like Voldemort, never mention him again. He had 87.4. And then at 10 is your boy, Fireless Cannons, OJ Howard with 86. Who, who didn't play for seven games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We hear it every week. Um, so I wrote an article on this for all32.co.uk. Shout out to you lads about how important the point scoring at tight end was and is going forward and how you should take one early. Not going to get into that because we've already touched the surface of the great tight end debate. But these numbers are quite compelling. And yeah, OJ Howard, he missed. What's interesting to me is Gronk didn't make this list. Right, so I've got some some yes, figures on this. professional segue. Yeah, I love that. So um, a couple of points on this. So people talk about um, the revolution in this position and it's definitely, um, it's, it's definitely a really big thing. So... All of Kelsey, Ertz, and Kittle top 250 PPR points this season. That's the most um, players at that position to hit a tight, to hit the mark in a in a single season, which uh, is quite incredible in its own right. I know, um, I know, I've never seen that. I don't think you know. It'd be interesting to see if we see that again. So, based on Gronk, Gronk was the last tight end to have hit the 250 PPR mark, um, and he did that in 2015. Right. So before this season, the last two tight ends to, to hit that mark were Gronk and Jimmy Graham. And before that, it wasn't until Vernon Davis in 2009. Ugh. So it's not often that this happens. <coughs> but it was a brutal position. So only seven players at the position scored more than 150 PPR points. And this is my point. It's the fewest tight ends to have hit that mark since 2008. So in 10 years worth of data there's never been fewer than seven players to have hit 150 ppr points and i think that really elevates to how bad it was decimated um yeah, that's pretty compelling evidence the other way not to draft one early and steal at the position because people will be worried that tight ends won't do as well as they did last year i mean don't get me wrong 100 points to give up at the position is, is huge massive um i think you know the, the conservative nature in me is, is I'd like to see all those players. Everyone's talked about Kelsey being elite for the while, but it's the first time he's hit 250 PPR points. So it would be interesting to see if all these players do end up uh, doing the same thing next season. But I don't think there's as much drop-off. But I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, no, for sure. Should we do a little bit of kickers? I know you said we wouldn't, but we'll just do top three at kickers and DST and have a little ramble about that. Okay. So, I don't know if this matters. It doesn't. Kickers, are they exactly the same list? It sh- well, it should be, because PPR's not going to affect either DST or... I suppose this also depends on how your kicker scoring is formatted. Yeah, so let's just go with standard, because it shouldn't really have any effect. Okay, so, Russia Award winner, KME Fairbairn, 
tops the list at 168. Justin Tucker, after his first ever miss field goal, comes second at 159. And then Will Lutz is third at 150. Apart from the top two, between third and eighth, you're talking 13 points. So actually, pretty irrelevant at the position. Scoring-wise in standard. Well, there, there's some reasons for this. So this season's a bit of an outlier when it comes to kickers. So uh, kickers combined to score 3,768.40 uh, fantasy points in 2018. It's the fewest of any season since 2011. Um, and the position also attempted just 46, uh, 946 field goals, which is the fewest in any season since 2010. So clearly kickers weren't used as much. Again, that ties into a bit of the offense. But is that an, a statistical outlier or is that a trend going forward? You need another year's worth of data to sort of analyze that. So people will hear that stat and go, well, kickers don't matter. It, let's see how it swings the other way because we've just had some playoff games where kicking did definitely make the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, there were 71 missed extra points in 2018 and everyone thought, oh, well, they've moved it back. It's all different. It, this is the most missed points extra uh, missed extra points in the season. Not true. It was tied for the fourth most in a season. There were five kickers who missed seven field goals this season, which tied for the league lead. Uh, however, it's the fewest missed field goals to lead the NFL in any season since 1946. So kickers aren't as bad as people are making out to be. I thought you were going to drop me with another point for names there, but oh no, no, no. I've got I've, this. Is this is you know I talked about the Tyler Lockett stat being uh, blowing your mind. Yeah, this is also going to blow your mind. Okay, Kaimi Fairburn led all kickers with 158 fantasy points this season. That was more standard fantasy points <coughs> than the following names: Kenyon Drake, Aaron Jones, Sony Michelle, Mark Ingram, LaShawn McCoy. Odell Beckham Jr. Amari Cooper. You should have led with OBJ. <laughs> Jarvis Landry. Julian Edelman. Golden Tate. AJ Green. And every tight end not named Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz or George Kittle. Somebody tell me kickers don't matter. If you get the best one, he definitely matters. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's nuts. He's, that is crazy. Um, that is madness. Greg Zerline also led all fancy uh, points scored per game per kicker so 11.27 for the second straight year he averaged 12.14 last season the reason he's not top of the list is because he missed five games with an injury and would have clearly been top and he would have beat Odell Beckham Jr and <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's it uh, thanks very much to NFL.com for providing those uh, wonderful stats they're not all mine uh, a lot of them were theirs um, but it was a great resource um, there's many, many more in that list. Uh, these were just sort of my select highlights that backed up our position. So thanks very much to them for all of this amazing content and also quite a lot of the content that I get for the street section. I plough through and look at what they've put together. So um, don't want to take credit for other people's work. Talking of the street section, a couple of weeks back you said, well, this is it. This is the end of the streets for the season. And you come today absolute fire with a couple of rockets. I love it. Absolutely. I just said when the season ends. Season's technically not ended yet. Pretty close. But yeah, th- th- you're not going to get that many more stats in a, in a single episode. <coughs> so talking about defences, <laughs> Rushy winners, the Bears are first at 187. Then the Rams, 158. Texans, 150. Patriots, 143. Broncos, 140. Then the rest of the list drops off by 24 points. Interestingly, there was a bigger drop-off between kickers uh, defenses than kickers so my suggestion in next year's drafts would be to take a DST then a kicker then a quarterback 
in the last three rounds. Unless the quarterbacks have all gone, then change that order. But if the quarterbacks are still there because everybody is sensible and is waiting on quarterback, definitely go after a DST. It doesn't have to be the Bears like the Jag situation we had this year. But with the gap as big as it is between first and or second and ninth, I think that it's a slightly more important position, especially with the, the talent in this year's draft on the DL on the yeah defensive line. Sorry, then I think it's going to be even more important next year I would say defence so definitely take one before a kicker yeah uh, I don't know if I agree with that that's fine um, I just I just think it depends how the scoring is in standard scoring I don't think there's enough reward for defensive plays I think that's 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 the only thing I can kind of hang my hat on here that I think that that's kind of what I struggle I think but, if we got if we got more points for sacks and interceptions and fumble recoveries and and those sorts of things I just think that would that that would make it better in a really true reflection I mean, listen I'm not going to argue that the, the Bears D are not the best defense this season absolutely were were worth it for what they did you know kudos but when you've got the game now is not going to be decided by points conceded it's just not um, every defense is going to give up a lot of points. You're going to get fewer shutouts. You're going to get fewer um, one-score score lines. In terms of, I don't mean like the difference between two teams. I mean like a team scoring seven or less or ten or less. You're not going to see that as much. So, what I want to see scoring happen is is having more on, on the other areas and rewarding teams like the Rams or the Chiefs up until last week uh, <laughs> and a few other teams that 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 do those things really well. The Packers are very good in takeaways, for example, and reward those teams accordingly because I don't think it's about points conceded anymore. I think it's more about uh, who's making the big plays at the big time and rewarding them. Yeah, no, absolutely. And here at Five Yard Rush, all our teams, our leagues, I should say, are that way inclined points-wise. It doesn't really matter how many you give up. It's how many times you take the ball away. So that's a change we're making here, and I imagine hopefully the industry will follow. Not saying we're industry leaders, but we are, and we have you, Dubash Nation, to thank for that. It's been a long Thursday, Murph. It has, man, but it's been so good. Um, looking forward to uh, tomorrow. We've got another special guest because we love uh, filling you with content. Um, really excited. Um, just want to say, drop a hint, the New York Times uh, best-selling author. No, 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 that's it. We're not having J.K. Rowling. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and on that Harry Potter bombshell, it's been an absolute pleasure. Murph, I will see you tomorrow. Same to you, Rush Nation. See you on Friday. Until then, keep rushing. can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforyoumc.org. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.